the region's premier medical information program. Call the doctor. It's important to listen to your doctors when it comes to treating injury or illness, but nutrition can certainly play a role in how healthy we are and maybe how quickly we recover. What the experts have to say about food as medicine in this episode of Call the Doctor. Hello, thank you for being here. We're so glad you're with us for this episode of Call the Doctor. We have another great panel for you tonight, so we're gonna get right to them and we'll let them introduce themselves. Thank you so much, all of you, for being here. I'd love to for you to tell everybody who you are and a little bit about yourself. Sure, sure. My name is Walter Wannis. I am the Director of Lifestyle Modification and Preventive Medicine at the Wright Center for Community Health and Graduate Medical Education. I'm a licensed and registered dietitian nutritionist and I practice lifestyle medicine as part of our integrative medicine at the Wright Center. I can't wait to hear a little bit more about that. Welcome okay. to you. Julie, thanks for having me. Um, my name is Karen Howard. I'm a registered dietitian, a registered nurse, and a certified diabetes care and education specialist. I work for Geisinger in their food as medicine program called the Fresh Food Pharmacy. I'm looking forward to hearing about that as well. And welcome to you, Gail. Thank you. My name is Gail Germain. I'm a clinical dietitian consultant in the Scranton area and I have experience in acute care and skilled nursing as well, and some teaching experience in different programs in the community. Great, and I can't wait to hear what you have to mm -hmm. add to the conversation. Now, the first thing we'll say right off the bat is to say that no one means to suggest that we're not going to listen to our doctors or take that prescription medication. Food's not going to take the place of that. But I think we can all agree that nutrition is a really big, important part of overall health. So I think my first question for you all would be, <laughs> maybe I don't want to know this, <laughs> By and large, how unhealthy are we in America? What are we, what are we doing wrong? What are we doing right? What do you see most of, Walter? Uh, a lot of times we see a big thing in obesity, and we also see a big in diabetes, especially type two diabetes and cardiovascular disease. And it seems like we're a nation that's overconsumption. We consume a lot of too much calories, and we consume a lot of foods that don't have much nutritional value. So we see a lot of refined carbohydrates, a lot of easy snack foods, um, very low on fruits, vegetables, fiber, and as Gail probably mentioned, a lot of what we call phytochemicals or phytonutrients. So we seem to be lacking a lot of that in the diet. What would your observations be? Yeah, I totally agree with um, with Walter as well. Um, I think we are a fast food generation. Um, you know, it's a quick and easy thing. Um, often, you know, you, you need to get to a game after school and you know running through a fast food restaurant might be quick and easy but those foods are processed, they're high in sodium, they're high in saturated fat and really um, overall not healthy. So that's one thing I think we can all do better. All right, what are your yes, observations? I, I agree with them completely. I think one that hits home with me is sodium. We have just way too much sodium in our culture and a lot of it goes back to what they were both mentioning, convenience foods. A lot of our choices as busy people are based on convenience and that's in a lot of those processed foods is too much salt, too much fat, like Walter and Karen said. We'll stick on this topic just for a little bit longer just to say, uh, and, and there's no one right answer for this, I'm sure, but how much is too much? That you do that once in a while 
is that okay that you do that every day? I'm sure that's not okay, <laughs> but what do, what do you tell your patients? No, that's a good point. Uh, usually if you do it once in a while, that's not a problem. It's just that we're doing it, we're seeing patients who do it several times a week. And then when they're doing that, it's what is it replacing? Is it replacing fruits? Is it replacing vegetables? Is it replacing uh, what we call omega-3 omega, you know, fatty acids? Is it replacing fiber? Um, and also, again, all these phytonutrients that we're not getting in the diet that we need. So a lot of times when we're talking about convenience food or even fast food, it's not so much we're getting all that extra calories and fat we don't need, it's what we're not getting. So it takes the place of many of these nutrients that our bodies need. And you both mentioned sodium. What does too much sodium do to you? So it increases your blood pressure, it increases your risk for heart disease. Um, there's so many things um, that sodium does. It, it, it's for certain patients as well, it can cause uh, fluid retention in the body. Mm -hmm. And sugar, I imagine sugar is another big one. Mm -hmm. And, and just again, touching on the sodium, some people don't realize they have some chronic kidney disease and the sodium is a big issue there. Hmm. A big driver mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. Who, um, I'll, I'll stick with you here, Gail, who typically are the people that you see? Who are your, who's a typical patient? Well, there's a lot of diabetes, type two, uh, cardiovascular problems, obesity, as Walter had mentioned. I'd say those are some of the primary chronic diseases that you see a lot. Would you say they're common around here? I'd say they're fairly common, yes. I'd have to agree with that. Who might you see typically? Um, so I work po generally with uh, pati patients that have type 2 diabetes. So um, that is a, um, very prominent in our area as, as it is in the world. It seems to be the numbers are growing and growing. Um, I think a lot of it is based on our diet. Um, you know, type 2 diabetes, um, there is a genetic link to it, but, you know, we can help to prevent or delay that from happening if, you know, you do lifestyle changes like eating healthy and exercising. We just did a whole show on diabetes, but I guess I'll have you one more time explain the difference between type 1 and type 2 in case people don't know. Sure. So type 1 diabetes is something that generally happens when a person is younger. It's an autoimmune disease, um, and in, in what happens is the cells in the pancreas, um, they become destroyed, and a person with type 1 diabetes generally um, is going to require insulin for the rest of their life because their pancreas does not produce insulin. With type 2 diabetes, um, often when I ask patients if they have a history, a family history of diabetes, 95% of them are, tell me, yes, a mother, a father, a grandparent had it. There's a strong genetic link with it. And what happens is it kind of comes out a little bit later in life as we um, maybe have gained some weight as we got older, we don't eat as healthy, um, we're not as active, mm -hmm. and the pancreas is still producing insulin, it's just not producing enough, and that insulin that it is producing is resistant to getting the, to the cells to be utilized. Um, so with type 2 diabetes, you have what's called insulin resistance. And uh, same question to you, who you typically see you in know, a day? We call it the big three. It's <laughs> type 2 diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease. Uh, they go hand in hand. And as we were discussing earlier, um, it seems like when we have more obesity, it usually ends up with more type 2 diabetes and then ends up with more cardiovascular uh, events or risks. Mm -hmm. So we really see that as the big three. So it's typical that you might see others if you have one. Yeah, exactly. One, I should mm -hmm. say. True. I, I'm always curious if, it, kind of a left field question, but is there a difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist? Can you use those words interchangeably? 
we prefer you don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, as, a, as a dietitian, we're, we're registered and licensed as a dietitian nutritionist in the state of PA. So you want to make sure if you're seeing somebody, they're registered and licensed in the state of Pennsylvania. So what that means is um, someone can call themselves a nutrition if they just have a nutrition degree, but they might not have the schooling and the educational background that, that we have. And that not only involves with doing our undergraduate work, but a lot of times it's doing graduate work in addition to um, an approved internship where you're working in an in a, in a acute care facility and also other facilities where you're getting the education and also the experience you need uh, from the clinical perspective. I was going to ask what kind of schooling that takes. People might not understand exactly what you uh, might need to learn in there. Um, so we've went over a couple of the diseases, the big three, as you say. What are some of the others, uh, maybe the not so common ones, or the ones that people watching might not even realize can be helped by a well, A big one is um, any type of GI disturbances, or mm -hmm. such as Crohn's disease, oh. IBS, they're very, uh, they're very prevalent also. So we do see a lot of patients for that. Uh, also food allergies. Uh, we see a lot of people now with more food allergies, it seems like, than we did in the past. So there's some of the other ones um, I, t I happen to see quite a bit. You two are both nodding. Do you see yeah. more food allergies than you That's used absolutely. to? Absolutely. Ta talk about that a little bit. I think um, that a lot of the scientists aren't even sure why there is such a predominance of allergies compared to years ago. Um, but it is, it's an area that needs more study. Because what are I, some of the big ones? Well, peanut. Oh. Peanut is a, a huge one. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes you hear soy. Soy has become an allergy. Um, well, there's always the, the wheat allergy with uh, gluten-related mm -hmm. uh, gastrointestinal diseases. Mm -hmm. And so you could have celiac disease or you could have a gluten sensitivity, which people are developing, which isn't the full disease state, but people have developed an intolerance to maybe some of the extra gluten that has entered our food supply over decades. So there's things emerging that have emerged as a result of the ch ever-changing food supply and how foods are manufactured and, mm. you know, genetically changed and everything. So, sure. Mm -hmm. Do you find that people come to you, um, I don't want to say last resort, that's not what I'm trying to get at, mm -hmm. but they've, they've tried lots of different things mm -hmm. and they're really not sure where to turn? So I think that's very normal. I think there's a, a lot of misinformation out there, a lot of confuse, confusing things, especially in the nutrition field. So when they do seek us out, we're delighted you know, to, to try to help them because it's just so confusing to be the consumer now. And I then throw in a health issue that could be helped by diet but you're not sure where you're going wrong yes you're right about it. it's confusing for anybody really what, yes. what do you counsel your patients through they they must they must really they must really need your help when they get to you sure sure so you know um, I like I said I generally work with patients with type 2 diabetes um, so that's very responsive to diet um, and lifestyle changes such as exercise um, you know I always tell my patients you know when you go on the internet and you're googling certain things they'll come in to the office and say 
Um, you know, I Googled and I read that cinnamon, for example, helps diabetes. Mm -hmm. So the message that they get is that, you know, maybe you go and you buy cinnamon and you put it on all your food, that that's going to help your diabetes. Whereas um, that's not the true fact of it. Now, cinnamon, there's been some studies that say that, you know, certain types of cinnamon and certain amounts in their capsule forms may help with insulin resistance. but it's you know limited studies but the message that the consumers are getting or the patients are getting is cinnamon helps with diabetes so we're here to help kind of explain some of the things that they might be seeing on the internet that isn't actually true i actually like this topic what are some of the miscommunications or miss yeah, the same thing a lot of times when you see a patient you have to really listen to them and find out all the things that they may have thought and you have to go back and pretty much re-educate the patient and let them know, wait a minute, that's not necessarily the case. So um, I hate to use the word deprogram, but sometimes we have to go back to help uh, a patient understand what's going on here. Uh, because, you know, a little information, you know, is okay, but when you have so many, inf so much information and it's coming from so many different avenues, it's very confusing for the, the patients and they want to really get clarification. So a lot of times it's, it's sort of clarifying the information they have. Did that get worse with the internet? <laughs> it did. It no, it really did because there's so much information out there mm -hmm. and you have to sort of put everything together and always when you read something you got to take it with a grain of salt because we have to find out what studies are done and also too is when people take a supplement it's not going to make much of a difference if they don't change their diet patterns um, that's one thing I think they think that if oh I, if I take this this is an anti-inflammatory but if they're eating foods that are all inflammation type foods well, that supplement's not going to really do anything for them. Supplement might help in conjunction with other exactly, things. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. Can certain diseases be reversed? Can they be prevented? I mean, using food, I, I understand it probably can be helped, but how far can food go when it comes to healing you from the inside? I'll start with you there. Sure, sure. So um, I see it every day with our patients with diabetes. They come in with very uncontrolled diabetes, um, and you know that puts them at risk of complications um, as far as um, heart uh, conditions with their heart or their kidneys. It, it can cause blindness. It can cause the need for amputations. There's so many things that happens when you have diabetes. Um, but you know when they make the lifestyle changes and they get their numbers to where they are at a good level, um, you know, we help to prevent or delay those complications. So I always say, you know, if you're diagnosed with diabetes, are you cured from it? Maybe not so. You may always have that diagnosis, but can you be controlled and say that I have diabetes, but I'm well controlled? Absolutely. And then that's helping to prevent further complications later in life for them. So that's can the whole point. You get off medication? I have a lot of our patients that um, have um, medications reduced, um, some of them removed due to just eating healthier, losing weight, and being active. Being active is another one. I know this yeah. isn't necessarily on topic, but go ahead and talk about that as well. I mean, you all enthusiastically nodded there. Wow. Yeah. Talk about being active as part well, of this. For heart health, it's wonderful. For weight control, it's wonderful. And, you know, I think when you think about wellness, uh, we have to talk about stress relief and exercise is a great way to get those endorphins going and maybe lower that stress level and just feel better, you know, so it's, it's multifaceted. You really have to take into consideration a lot of a 
a lot of different things. Someone's history and background. Exactly. Am I missing something? What else do you look at? Well, I mean, I think we all have a genetic profile that's going to maybe, uh, unless you're extremely lucky, maybe, you know, we're all going to be pre maybe predisposed to some sort of heart disease or maybe type 2 diabetes. But I think if you really make the effort to include healthy foods in your diet, anti-inflammatory, anti-carcinogenic, uh, this could really work in your favor to turn things around and kind of fight your genetic background. So. Can we talk about certain f foods here just because um, if you know you hear that the, a lot of the same foods end up on the 10 best for this and 10 <laughs> best for that lists and 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 you know too much stock in that but it's a lot of whole grains and fruits and vegetables and and the good fats so um, could you discuss a little bit about overall what those really good healthy foods are and I know you're gonna say vegetables but why <laughs> I want to know why that, and that, that's a great question because mm -hmm. when we're looking at a lot of plant foods, especially our fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, legumes. What we find out is they have high concentrations of what we, well first of all, they have the macro, what we call our macronutrients, and that's our calories, so in it, such as proteins, fats, carbohydrates, and then we have what are called our micronutrients, which are vitamin and mineral compounds. But then there's a whole classification of compounds that these foods have, which we sometimes call phytochemicals, or also we call them phytonutrients. And this is a class where we're finding the anti um, anti-inflammation properties, the anti-carcinogenic properties, the anti-mutagenic properties, and the antioxidant properties. So if we look at these foods, what we're finding out is they have medicinal properties in them. And there's so many, I think there's about 500 identified now, and there's thousands of them. 500? Yeah, mm -hmm. that we identify now, and there's right. thousands of them. Wow. So what we're finding out is we're just at the tip of the iceberg of what these foods have in them. Um, just example, carotenoids, uh, you know, they're, they're a type of phytonutrient, and we know lutein helps with eye health, uh, blocks UV uh, or blue light, and we know that, okay, increasing lutein in the diet will help your, with your overall eye, um, your vision, to make sure it stays optimal. So what we're doing is we're finding out these nutrients, beta carotene's another one, which is a, just a pro-vitamin A. But we find these as these phytochemicals or phytonutrients which are in these foods, and this is why we need to make sure we're including them in the diet. So it's not just about the calories, the fat, the protein, or even the vitamin C, which is all very important. It's also about this whole class of compounds, which we call our phytonutrients. You were discussing those a little bit earlier, Gail. What, what's happening in your system when you get enough of those nutrients? Well, uh, it's, it's amazing how much is in a lot of the plant-based foods. It's incredible. You've got uh, antioxidants, okay, which is, as Walter was saying, it's like a classification of these phytochemicals. They have their whole own job. Vitamins A, like beta carotene, mm -hmm. C, E, and the mineral selenium. Mm -hmm. These are very powerful. And they fight what we call free radicals. And you're thinking, what are free radicals? Well, free radicals come from normal digestive processes. Okay, they can uh, oxidize part of our important cell membranes. They, they kind of go on like an attacking spree. Okay. You can also have free radicals from pollution, the environment, whatever things you're using, sometimes even on a daily basis, okay? Mm -hmm. However, these foods contain these antioxidants which can be so powerful 
antioxidants, which can prevent that from happening. So the antioxidants are just one category of these phytochemicals. So you walk into a grocery store, can you just pick any any fruit and vegetable and you're and you're going to be okay? Well, I, they're all they all give their own great nutrition, but berries are getting a lot of attention. They are finding a lot of phytochemicals in strawberries, blueberries, uh, raspberries, blackberries. Uh, all fruits are good for you. All, I, I wouldn't say one is better than the other, but the berries especially have a lot of uh, nutritive qualities, anti-inflammatory, uh, that you may want to think about incorporating into your diet even slowly. Mm -hmm. Making sure that everybody has access to this type of food is, I know, something that mm -hmm. you are mm -hmm. working on. Tell mm -hmm. me about uh, the Fresh Food Pharmacy. Sure. So, um, Kaya Singer has a food as medicine program called the Fresh Food Pharmacy. And um, the program is for patients with uncontrolled type 2 diabetes that are also food insecure. So, what our program does, it, it provides the patient as well as all their family members. So, if they're a family of four, we provide enough healthy meals for the patient and the family for um, enough for 10 meals for per week um, and the concept is that um, we want the patient to eat healthy to better control their diabetes but we're also seeing that the family is making a lifestyle change as well so keep in mind that type 2 diabetes has a strong genetic link so we hope to also educate the children of these parents and even sometimes uh, grandchildren um, to eat healthier to prevent chronic disease later in life. Um, so some of the things we provide at Fresh Food Pharmacy are a lot of the foods that you know we've been talking about. So we do whole grains, we do lean proteins, um, low-fat dairy, uh, and of course fruit, variety of fruits and vegetables. Um, and that's really um, you know we go by the standards of the American Diabetes Association, and they're really um, the things that help with um, not only diabetes but really any kind of healthy eating or any kind of chronic disease. Do you see people be successful in this? Oh yeah, our program's very successful. Um, overall, um, somebody that comes into our program, so the measurement of uh, how well you're controlled with your diabetes is what's called a hemoglobin A1C level, it's a blood draw. So um, somebody that is, would be considered well controlled if that level was at a seven. We've had patients come into our program at 15, 16 is very high, and we've gotten them to seven. Um, you know, and maybe other patients made smaller changes, but overall, on average, we move patients at least two points, um, which is preventing them from, um, you know, having complications later in life from diabetes. So it's an awesome program. And hopefully teaching future generations not teaching to get future. there. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And uh, Walter, what about what's going on at the Right Center? I know you have a different approach. Yeah, actually, it's similar in some regards, because we do a lifestyle medicine, we call it, and it's really looking at making those changes in lifestyle uh, habits that people do in order to not only eat healthier, that's why we go with a really more of a plant-based or a plant-predominant diet because of not only the nutrition factors in there, but also too is we want to reduce our reliance on animal products. Uh, per se, just because it could be the cholesterol, it could be the saturated fat, and also too is we want to make sure it's not replacing or taking the place of some of these fruits, vegetables, legumes that we could also get proteins from. So with the lifestyle medicine program, we also look at not only nutrition and in in a person's nutrition plan, we look at things such
such as stress management because we know as people have stress, increased cortisol levels, and then also the spiral will happen. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a big thing we want to you know, address with them. Uh, we look at things such as what we call restorative sleep. How well is somebody sleeping? Because we know if they're not sleeping well, well, that's going to lead to more bodily stress. And then that stress could sometimes then affect their appetite, what they're going to eat. So it sort of goes hand in hand. Um, so that's just the three there. But then we also look at, um, we want to make sure people are avoiding what we call unhealthy substances. A lot of times we usually think of tobacco, uh, but that, in my, in my book, it could be fast food. If somebody's mm -hmm. eating fast food yeah, five days yeah, a week, then sure. right, that's a, yeah, a very unhealthy that we want people to stop, mm -hmm. stop eating. And then we also look at um, a person's social connections, especially from a positive. We want people to have a positive engagement with other people, uh, especially when we have people who are isolated. And Gail probably knows this working a lot with the geriatric community mm -hmm. that they usually have um, their health outcomes are not as good if they don't have a vibrant uh, social network around them Absolutely. and also to keep them busy. Mm -hmm. So when we look at it, we look at all those pillars uh, because we want to find out how to treat the whole person. So that's sort of our integrative medicine model. Mm -hmm. Even though they're there for lifestyle changes, mm -hmm. nutrition is a very important part of it, but we also have to look at those other factors to find out Oh, are they impeding them to get well? Um, so that, that's very uh, big on our part to look at that. And we also have what we call community health workers. They'll help if, if somebody doesn't have the resources. So they'll look out to the community to find out what kind of resources are out there for people. Because we see uh, patients from all different walks of life and their goals can be completely different. And we really look at what's the best goal working with them. And it could be something, a small change to lead to bigger change. But we have to go at their pace. So one of the things is, you know, as, as um, Karen was saying, you might have somebody coming in at a hemoglobin of 15, you want to get them down to seven. But if you can get them down to 11, that's a great improvement. Uh, so that's what we look at. Where can we make some of those improvements? And then also do, we'll bring in other specialties that we have, especially behavioral health is a big component that we use a lot of. Uh, chronic care management, where they can monitor a patient uh, every week or every two weeks. Um, so we do have a lot of uh, other services, but the whole goal is to treat the whole person and to treat them under one umbrella. Do you find if you improve one of those areas, then a lot of the others automatically improve? Or maybe not automatically, that's no, the wrong way to say it. But Yes, because you know what? They can build on that success, and they also have trust in you mm. because they realize you're there to help them. Uh, because a lot of times people come to the doctor right when they're sick, you know what? And, and they're really just managing that current condition where we have to look at, okay, what else do they need? Because the whole goal is to get them healthier. And a lot of times when they have that little success, it, it, it snowballs. And then they'll want to be doing a lot of other things to improve on it. And as long as you work with a reasonable goal and you help them establish goals. So we don't give them a goal, we help them establish the goal to find out what's appropriate. We don't want them to be too aggressive, right? But we want to make sure that they find something that they can do that will uh, actually ask some type of improvement. Um, sometimes with obesity, uh, a lot of times I tell them, get, don't weigh yourself because you know what? They might look at success as what that scale number has, right? Yeah. right? And I say, if you change your eating patterns, if you change your eating habits, if you're eating a lot healthier now than you did, if you're walking, and that scale didn't move a dime, 
Well, look at the success you've had. Right. So that's one of the keys is you have to look at all those other parameters uh, as being successful. Thank you, all of you, so much. I can't believe that time has flown. I really appreciate your comments. It's been a great conversation. That's going to do it for this episode of Call the Doctor. If by chance there's something you missed you want to listen to again, you can find the whole show at our website, wvia.org. For all of us at WVIA, we'll see you next time.